You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Ben. I'm Melina. We're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job, or what is that job really like, then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today we're joined by our guest, Allison Cruz, and she is an attorney. Welcome, Allison. Thank you, Melina. And can you tell us, what is an attorney? Well, attorneys have Juris Doctor degrees, which means we went to school a really long time from after high school, four years of college, and then at least three or four years of law school, depending on if you go part-time or full-time. And what areas do you practice in? I have two areas. One is that I represent foster youth, Mm -hmm. and the other is that I do estate planning. What is an estate for those who are listening? An estate is all of your stuff. So when you die, where do you want your stuff to go? And who do you want to be the person to dole out that stuff? That's the most simple way of saying it. An estate can include bank accounts or your house, um, Mm -hmm. your your pets, your kids. All of your earthly possessions, basically, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the representing foster youth, th- those kids age and range from birth to 21 years old. Mm-hmm. They are in what's called the juvenile dependency system, court system, because their parents have abused or neglected them. They may still live with their parents, but they also might live in a relative's home, the home of someone familiar to them, mm-hmm. a foster home, or something akin to a group home. And estate planning is something very different. It involves the drafting of trusts and or wills, plus several other related documents so that a person's health care and finances will be taken care of if the person creating the estate plan isn't able to do so. And how did you get into both fields? Well, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and went to a state university, which was affordable back then. Mm-hmm. And I went... I, I wasn't real sure what I wanted to do, but I thought that maybe I wanted to be a lawyer, just having seen them on TV, mm-hmm. I guess. And, uh, but I did choose a major that would provide me with a backup plan in case that didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So I was a criminal justice major, which had a lot to do with going to law school, mm-hmm. but I also had a backup idea of being a probation officer. And mm-hmm. I had done an externship during college as a, as a probation officer and really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. What did you do now exactly as an attorney? Are you a lawyer? Are you a judge? So, interestingly enough, I I found out the hard way that there is a difference between the word lawyer and attorney. And I say I found out the hard way because I was actually a witness um, and somebody asked me, are you a lawyer or are you an attorney? And uh, I wasn't yet. So you're a lawyer if you you pass school and you, you get your Juris Doctor degree, but you're not licensed to practice yet until you pass the bar exam and so that's when you become an attorney (laughs) not many attorneys even know that little distinguishing character trait but what would you say a typical day looks like for you for me i don't have too much of a typical day which is what i love about it. it 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 took me by surprise at first that without having structure it can be challenging not knowing every morning what you're going to be doing but Sometimes I'm in court a couple days a week at least. I'm in court and then and advocating for foster youth there. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes I'm out visiting the kids and interviewing them. Sometimes I even jump on trampolines to establish rapport with them, <laughs> take my dog on walks with them. To, yeah. <laughs> so that's the really nice part. And then I have administrative work as well, paperwork. Uh, and that's mostly what the estate planning part of the business is. I interview clients and then I do a lot of paperwork mm. to pull that plan together for them. And what got you into being an attorney for foster youth? I really wanted to be a public defender, I think. When I had the major of criminal justice, that intrigued me. And I wanted to you know, kind of fight for the underdog type attorney and be a public servant. Um, and I, I did actually get my first internship while I was in law school with a public defender's office in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And they, at that point, represented parents in this area called juvenile dependency. Mm. So that was how I got introduced to it. I represented parents for a year and a half. Mm. And then after I passed the bar, my opponent, uh, who was county counsel, and they're kind of like the prosecutors Mm. of the cases, they asked me to work for them, which I did for six years. Then I came here representing the kids, and by far that's the best. So I've Mm. been doing the juvenile dependency since 1992 now. So I sort of fell into it thinking I wanted to... Mm go more of a criminal track, and then I got sidetracked and fell in love with it. <laughs> and, and why do you feel like it's the, th- that's the best, working directly with the kids, because you get to it kind of cut out the middleman? Well, you're kind of wearing the white hat. Everyone, yeah. ev- everyone there involved is really there for the best interest of the kids. Right. And I'm the one that gets to advocate for that. So it feels good. The The kids are great to work with. It's, they're surprisingly resilient and fun to be around. Um, Do you keep in touch with them for uh, after, after uh, whatever representation you've done? Sometimes. Yeah. Usually they just don't want to have anything to do with the system anymore mm, and they want to you know, get away. But once in a while I do. I've certainly written lots of uh, recommendation letters for for them to get into school or get oh, jobs, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so once in a while they keep in touch. Okay. I love hearing about their success stories. Yeah. What kind of skills and qualities would you say are really important for an attorney to have? One of the most important, I, I would say, is organizational skills. Everything else can kind of be taught to you. Mm. Law school teaches you a completely different way of thinking, the analytical skills, which really helps you have good insight. And I think if you if you get a job where there's anything with high volume, you're going to get better at it, just like playing video games. If you, if you play it enough, you're going to get good at it, right? So if you work at a public defender's office or DA's office or someplace with high volume cases, no matter what type of law you want to go into, your brain will learn how to think analytically and efficiently. But you, you can kind of categorize or, or surmise what has to happen in the case quickly. But the organizational skills is something that you can work on throughout your life and it's so important so that you don't miss deadlines so that you just stay on top of your cases every every client has needs and you don't want to forget about any of them so you need to stay organized right and say if you were to hire someone to replace you today what would you look for in a new candidate? Uh, somebody Spanish speaking. I should say bilingual, English mm-hmm. and Spanish would be very helpful. I try. I, I slug through my Spanish as best I can, but I'm not that fluent. And then somebody who is willing to take initiative so that they don't need a lot of hand-holding. I mean, certainly it's, it, there's going to be a learning curve and understandably training will be necessary. But somebody who can kind of roll up their sleeves mm. and, and say, okay, what needs to be done here? And mm. figure out what needs to be done and then follow through with it. 
So somebody with good follow-through as well. Okay. Have you found that there have been many changes in the legal system since you sort of uh, endeavored on this path? Yes, I think one of the major changes sounds kind of weird, but the drug of choice has changed, and that's changed Mm. the clientele. Mm. So it used to be cocaine and heroin, and people were actually easier to deal with. They just wanted to know, what do I need to do to get my kids back? And now the drug of choice is methamphetamine, and people don't have as much control over their lives with it. It's it just is an evil drugs I drug I haven't seen anything positive come of it. So people get nastier, more violent, and they just have a much harder time kicking that one than anything else. So that's probably the biggest change that I've seen. The law changes all the time. Every year we get new statutes, and sometimes every week there are new case law which comes down from the the appellate courts and and supreme courts. And um. What's like a common misconception a lot of people might have about your job? Or they might think it might be one way, but it's actually something else completely. Well, attorneys have a bad rap. Really? Yeah. A lot of people think that we're just like sleazy and liars, Mm. and I haven't found that. Mm. It's rare to me to find an attorney who, who doesn't have good ethics. But another misconception, you know, people... Attorneys charge a lot of money, and so I think some people are put off by that. But much of my job is as a public servant without benefits, and that might be another reason why I've broadened my area of practice, but it also uh, keeps my feet firmly on the ground so that I stay humble and, I don't know, don't have my head in the clouds, I guess. So I I feel like being trustworthy is is a really important Mm -hmm. thing. Okay. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by our other host, Ben. We're speaking with Allison Cruz and learning about her career journey to becoming a attorney. Can you give an overview of the different types of responsibilities you have for each job? Yeah, so uh, being an estate attorney is, is has been different. I started off because my father passed away, and I administered his estate, so I was curious about it. And now I'm at an age where a lot of my friends have parents who are aging or dying. I thought it was a good area to go into, but I went into it blind. And fortunately, I found two other attorneys to mentor me along the way. And that was huge. I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have mentoring attorneys. So they helped me. And now I've reached out to also have a little group of us who lean on each other for questions, which I think is also really helpful because there's always going to be something complex that gets you stumped along the way or that you just need to brainstorm with somebody else. You're solely responsible when you're an estate planning attorney. It's just you and you have to do the right thing for the client. And that means um, creating their estate plan. So you have to know a bit about tax law and uh, elder law, Medicare, Medicaid. And, And so it kind of goes into so many different areas that it's hard to have expertise in all of those. So I end up doing a lot of research, looking things up as well. At least I did in the, more in the beginning. I've gotten a little more comfortable with things over the years. So most of what my day is for that is interviewing the client, figuring out what their needs are. And then I have some templates that I use 
and I'll plug in their information and I'll start tweaking things as I need to. And so a lot of it is just me on the computer and then also doing research or, or reaching out to my little group to figure out what needs to be done. And then I meet again with the clients to go over the estate plan with them and they sign and notarize the documents mm-hmm. and then it's done. So usually that whole process is about a month. Mm-hmm. With the foster youth, it can go on for years. We try to minimize it. I, I get appointed to be the attorney for the child from the detention hearing, which is within two days after they've been removed from their family. Okay. And so I usually, if they're old enough, I interview the child and then go to court and advocate for what their wishes are mm-hmm. or what I believe is in their best interest if they're not able to tell me what their wishes are, mm-hmm. if they're too young or if they're incapacitated. And then I stay with them throughout the entire court process while their parents are trying to reunify with them or if the parents don't successfully reunify with them. The big hope is that they get adopted and if they can't get home with their family or go into a plan of guardianship, which is Mm -hmm. until they're 18. But some of them end up lingering in long-term foster care and that's hard on them because sometimes they can get bounced around to different places and they don't really have a mom and a dad. Mm -hmm. And so they they really need those long-term connections with, Mm -hmm. with adults. It's really vital. So I stay with them until they age out of the system. They can stay in the system from age 18 to 21 if they want to, where they get paid for their housing, which is nice. So if I could ask real mm-hmm. quick, just out of curiosity, why why is the foster age limit at 21 rather than 18? It used to be 18. Right. And we used to say, bye-bye, good luck. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have any time to get any skills yeah. to be able to make any money. So it's like a buffer... Right. So we we want to we want to prepare them for adulthood. My question is, why doesn't it go till they're 22? Because at least you can try to get through college if you're a real go getter by 22, by 21, you know, okay, maybe you're a junior in college. And then what? Uh, But a lot of the kids, unfortunately, aren't graduating from college. A lot of them go to two years of Cabrillo College and um, and then start figuring out their way in life, as do all young people and might decide college isn't for them. So then we can have them go into a trade school or vocational school or something like that. But we want them to learn a skill so that they can make some money and not have to flip burgers the rest of their lives. Right. And what kind of training or education is needed to become an attorney? So strangely enough, there's really no training, which bothers me. I feel like there should be an apprenticeship, but most law students do some sort of intern or externship along the way, but it's not required. What is required, and not even schooling is required. Right. I don't know if that's changed is at it, all. But is it true? I think I heard this. Is it true that California only requires that you pass the bar right. to become a lawyer? To right. Become, an wow. attorney. Yep. Yeah. So you can go straight from high school and just take, take the, the bar, bar exam, <laughs> become an attorney. Oh, I didn't know that. You can. I don't know anyone who has ever gone that route. Everyone yeah. I know has gone to law school because there's so much to learn. It's really mm-hmm. impractical right. to think about taking the bar without that and the bar pass rate is so low even with law law school that you'd be kind of foolish to not go to law school but yeah i could almost see it as like a millennial meme or something where you know (laughs) take the uh take the bar challenge yeah you can pass the bar exam (laughs) and there are bar review courses Mm -hmm. uh so some people especially out of state they come here and they've never had community property class or something Mm -hmm. like that that's unique to california and they'll, they'll take the bar review class and have to try to learn the whole thing wow. in just in that bar review course mm-hmm. instead of taking it for a whole semester or a year or something. Right. And for those who don't know, can you explain like what the bar is and 
how much work goes into it, how many questions. Yeah, I'm not sure I know anymore because I, <laughs> I took that bar in 1992. I know it's not just like 100 questions and you're done. Right, I, I think it's changed. Right. It used to be a three-day exam and I think it's now a two-day exam. Hmm. And there's multiple choice questions. You, you go six hours a day Wow. for the, it was three days, and I think now two days. Hmm. And part of it's multiple choice and then a bigger part of it is they give you fact patterns and what then a, fact a scenario. Oh, okay. So they'll they'll say here's here's what happened, and and you have to figure out what the legal issues are, and oh. kind of playing judge how you yeah. would how you would determine what the right thing to do is. Are the there case. multiple right answers in that kind of question? There or, yes. Okay. There yeah there can be, and it's mm. it's they really want to look at how you're analyzing it. Mm. So they want to make sure you have an understanding of the law that's applicable. Mm. And then also how you analyze it. So you could, people could come up with different outcomes as there, long as you're... Is there, there's a best answer that's supposed probably. to be chosen? Probably. I think yeah. so. Okay. I, you know, when you pass the bar, they never tell you what you did right. <laughs> so I have, I'm just sort of guessing here. But, um, and then another part of the bar exam that I think they might have taken out was they used to give you a three-hour exam where they would give you a file. And they would tell you to, they would give you case law, like six or seven different cases and uh, statutes. And then they would tell you, here's your client, here's their predicament, here's what they want, figure it out. And and then you'd have three hours to write up a memorandum to, mm-hmm. a- again, analyze the law, but only using the law that they give you. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a good thing. They called it a pra- the practical mm-hmm. portion of the exam which I thought was the most like lawyering um, multiple choice questions. That's never indicative of a whole lot in life. Right. Yeah. And what would you say is the most stressful part of your job as an attorney? It's really hard when kids can't tell me what they want or if what they want is something I know is not safe for them. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of kids want to stay in abusive situations because it's what they know. Their fear of the unknown is much worse, and they'd rather just stay where they are. So I have to make decisions for them based on what I think is in their best interest and based on my experience. But I worry that sometimes, uh uh-oh, what if I'm wrong? And what if I'm advocating for this child to never again live with their mother and instead grow up with a stranger? Or vice versa. Or vice versa, right. And, And then they later regret it and say, why did somebody make that decision for me? Mm-hmm. So that that part is stressful, taking that on. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine that's what judges have to deal with all the time, making decisions and not being sure if they're the right ones. Mm-hmm. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by Melina. We're speaking with Allison Cruz and learning about their journey to becoming an attorney. And I wanted to ask you, so we just talked about what's stressful about the job. But what is the most rewarding part of the job for you as an attorney? Well, this is, again, as the being a representative of foster youth, when I can make a difference in a child's life. Unfortunately, some kids get moved around in the foster care system, and it's not their fault. They, sometimes they do have behavior problems, but they're acting out on you know, the, how they were treated. Or sometimes a foster parent has something personal going on in their lives, and they have to move a child. So what I love is that I can step in and try to make a difference. I can't always, but it's so rewarding when I can put a stop to something that was going to happen because it's, I don't know why exactly. Sometimes it's just easier in the system or they don't, nobody wants to work that hard. And 
sometimes just stepping in and saying, hey, do you know about this situation? This isn't right for this kid. Or, um, hey, do you know that their mom is giving them a giant soda at lunch every day? And that's maybe that's why they're not focusing in school in the afternoon. Or, so I love being able to step in and, and provide that kind of help for kids. Do you have any interesting stories related to your job? Huh. Um, I could probably take the whole half hour <laughs> on this. But um, yes, yeah, so there are lots of lots of crazy cases that I've had. Some I feel like should be made into movies. Um, I had one funny story where I was talking to a parent and explaining to them what they were going to have to do to be able to get their child back in their care. And it was therapy, parenting classes, uh, drug treatment, drug testing, and domestic violence counseling. And he stopped and, and he said, okay, okay, I can do all that, but what kind of drugs will I have to test? Uh, so he, you know, he thought that, I, that we were going to use him as a guinea pig or something okay. to test different drugs. I'm like, no, 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 it's just see if you're cleaner. Did he hear the question wrong? or? What? I think he was nervous. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think he was like, I'm talking to an attorney. Yeah. I've lost my child. I think he was just really nervous. Okay. And didn't think uh, um, the you know the right way. Some about. wires were crossed there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. My happiest stories are when when a youth successfully becomes an adult and mm-hmm. and uh, can take care of themselves and and says thank you to the system for the help that they got because not many people do. People are a lot of times upset that the government has intruded into their lives. But sometimes the best cases for me. Or when somebody says, I couldn't have done this without all the help that I got. And thank you. Um, because sometimes people just need that little boost and that help. Somebody to take them by the hand and walk them through everything and teach them the things that they were never taught. So that they can get their kids back and be successful. And for the kids to go on to college or get a good job. That's the most rewarding. To stop that cycle of abuse or neglect. It's great. How would you say this job has impacted your life? Uh, it's kind of a pretty yeah. big question. <laughs> Obviously to help pay the bills, it does mm-hmm. that. But more than that, it, it taught me how to think analytically mm-hmm. and be confident that I can accept a challenge and then successfully complete it. Mm-hmm. That was something I never would have done, I think, if I hadn't been an attorney. And part of that educating came with the grooming throughout the school years, but most of it came... In practicing and having families in both areas of my practice lean on me for my expertise mm-hmm. and knowing uh oh if I screw this up then I screw up a family's life mm-hmm. that that has made me really slow down and make sure that I know what I'm doing before I do it and that kind of spilled out into my personal life as well I tend to think before I speak and uh, imagine what the repercussions are before I talk about something. It's a very good skill to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and was there ever a time where you wanted to quit your job? Yes. Uh, I've. And what made I, you decide not to quit? <laughs> I think actually quitting has never really been an option because I do have other people relying on me to, to uh, have an income. But there have been times when I've wanted to just walk away from it all and find something new when I've gotten frustrated. Usually what I do, if I don't have much time at all, I'll just stand up and breathe and raise my arms over my head and just try to breathe deeply a little bit. If I have more time 
I'll go for a walk in the redwoods with my dog um, or a dog from the um, animal shelter. And then if what I really do a lot of, because there is a high burnout rate in the, in the foster youth business, is go on long vacations. <laughs> I think I take advantage of every opportunity I, I get for going on vacations. And what advice would you give to someone who's interested in being an attorney? A lot of other attorneys try to talk people out of becoming an attorney, and hmm. I never do. I think go for it. It's it's a it's a great field in a lot of ways. Passing the bar is like winning the lottery because you can go into so many different areas and probably make more money. Like if you wanted to go into environmental law, you're probably going to make more money than an environmental field worker. So it's it's gratifying. And you're in a position of power. People rely on you. And uh, I, I just think it's, a, it's a, a great thing for people to really push themselves to step up to their, to their top selves. What would be some first steps that you recommend for maybe a young person who wants to go into law? I think it's really helpful to do what you are doing on the radio program, to ask questions of people. And even just if you find somebody who is in an interesting career, ask them to lunch and say, could, could we just have lunch mm-hmm. and could I ask you a few questions? And then write down some questions before mm-hmm. you do that. And then at the end, ask, is there anyone else you know who I could have lunch with who's yeah. in a related field or the same field to mm-hmm. maybe get a different perspective? And just keep doing that until you find out what you want to do. And then some of that might fall into a job as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing is volunteering Mm -hmm. because you've got to build your resume. Unless you're in the top 10% of your class, the most important thing is going to be building your resume with experience. And And I think even if you are in the top 10%, that experience shines. That's true. That's true. Experience is going to be probably the most important thing. And then also having something that separates you from the pack a little bit because Mm -hmm. there might be a lot of qualified people, Mm -hmm. but maybe you're an Eagle Scout or maybe you, you know, went through martial arts or maybe you speak another language or maybe you're a fabulous artist or something like that that you can put on your resume that sets you apart from the others. Did uh, did anyone give you a piece of advice that uh, helped you out the most in this in your career choice? Um, like if you could pick a single golden nugget of wisdom out that maybe someone's given you over the years. I had, I had a, a professor in college mm-hmm. tell me you can do anything you set your mind to. And that really meant a lot to me, and it helped. And then when there was one particular class that I was missing and it wasn't going to be offered again before I graduated, he let me do an independent study wow. where I was went through the entire work training to be a probation officer, and I worked for a, as a probation officer for a whole summer as an wow. externship, but he gave me school credit for it in lieu of this class that I was supposed to have, which was a remarkable thing to have yeah. done, and it really set me on my path, I would say. My last question for you is, well, actually, my second to last question for you is, what is a piece of advice that you give to young people or people about to graduate from college? I guess whenever you're, whenever you have a big decision to make, think it through, write down your list of pros and cons, and then sometimes what I do is make a decision in my head and then sit with that and see, how does that feel? Am I happy mm-hmm. with that decision or not? Because sometimes if you're not happy with the decision, then you need to go with a different decision. Mm-hmm. But to just, I, I, another thing I would say is do as much traveling as you can before you get bogged down with other debts and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Because traveling can also really open your mind. It can teach you how to be less impatient, be more tolerant, 
and just understanding of, of the world, which can give you a better outlook on things and make you a better candidate in an interview as well. And our last question that we have for you is, what is a thought or piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners or let our listeners know? I would love, I know probably a lot of people are young out there, but consider becoming a foster parent. Or maybe you have a neighbor, friend, relative, even a parent uh, who might be in a position to do that, especially if if you're leaving the nest and leaving a room open, then foster youth might be able to fill that. There are kids of all ages in both the juvenile dependency system and what's now called the juvenile justice system, which was formerly called juvenile delinquency. Mm-hmm. And they all need decent adults to give them a place to hang their hat and also to guide them into adulthood. Okay, well, thank you so much, Allison, for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning in to today's career story with your host, Melina and Ben, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Allison Cruz, who is an attorney. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.